G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. A note for parents with small children. There might be some issues in our conversation where little ears should be shielded from some of the concepts we'll talk about over the coming hour. On the other hand, if you've got some teenagers, you might want to encourage them to listen in very carefully because while this is an adult conversation coming ahead... No doubt teenagers will benefit from what the great wisdom that will come from our special guest today. We're going to turn our attention to one of the most confusing issues that's confronting all Australians right now. We're talking sex, gender and identity. As Christians, we apply a biblical foundation to sex, gender and identity, but the prevailing narrative is moving our kids in a different and dangerous direction. Our special guest today says people are driven more by emotions than cognitive engagement or sound science around these issues. And she's well qualified to make that observation. She has an academic career at the University of Sydney for 25 years and spent eight years leading a graduate program in sexual health. Dr. Patricia Wirakun is a Christian sexologist. She says she has twin passions, God and sex. She's the author of numerous books, Talking Sex by the Book, The Best Sex for Life, Eros, Intimacy and the Mind of God, Growing Up by the Book, Teen Sex by the Book and The Birds and Bees by the Book, six-part series for seven to ten-year-old children. Patricia Wirakun, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you for having me, Neil. It's such an honour to be back with you. Patricia, let's just start this conversation. Your thoughts here for a moment, because whenever you're standing up before a crowd, uh, sometimes there's awkwardness when you're starting to talk about issues around sex and gender, uh, these sorts of things that are so prominent now in the discussion. How do you put people's minds at ease? How do you make people comfortable when we're about to get into a really good conversation about sex? Especially if I'm speaking to Christian audiences, the first thing I want to impress on people is that we have, as Christians, a far better story than the world can tell them. And so that's what I need to say. I mean, I tell them that when I was doing my study leave in the Kinsey Institute and one of the the directors there asked me, how can you be a Christian and a sexologist? I said to him, I said, you know, Professor, you and I both study and research sex. But as a Christian, I have a personal relationship with the creator of sex. So that's why we need to be not just relaxed, but actually excited about talking about sex to each other and to our children. 
Now, let's talk community attitude changes. And you say that the current way that people talk about sex and gender and identity is emotionally driven rather than cognitively engaged. What's happening in our society with the change that's taken place? You put it so beautifully. I mean, the reality is it is a small reflection of our cultural state because we are currently in what we would describe as an individualistic, inward-looking, post-truth culture, a culture that basically says it is my inner truth or sometimes called the authentic self, that drives everything. So my emotions are what matter. And meeting these emotions and desires is what not just makes me happy, but it is what makes me a a person. And if I don't get it, if my emotions are not met, my desires not fulfilled, I am not complete. Because my very identity rests on my desires. And when it comes to sex, therefore, I am my sexuality. As you say, as Christians, we've got the best story because we are connected to the creator, the creator of sex, the creator of male and female. I wonder if we can come to a biblical foundation that we might just recognize is the strongest foundation to be talking about the issues we're talking about today. How do you reflect on that biblical foundation? Neil, I always point people back to the fact that the Bible begins and through the Bible right to the end speaks clearly to that created binary of male and female. I mean, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, God made mankind, humankind in his image. The very next phrase is male and female. He created them. So there we have the very foundation. And when Jesus in Matthew 19, Mark 10 was asked about divorce, he just pointed right back to creation. So it's not just Genesis, it's Jesus' words. But through the Bible, you know, in the Old Testament, we hear of God's relationship with his people Israel as something like a husband and wife, you know, that adultery moving away from, again, the male-female imagery in Hosea. And then, of course, in Revelation, when the bridegroom comes for the bride. So there is this binary beauty of male and female. And in Genesis, right after male and female, he created them. We have Adam, and I love it, you know, he sees Eve, and his first response is, oh, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. So you are from me, but you are different. You are woman. And that excitement of desire and God bringing them together. You see, right there, we have male, female, different, complementary, coming back together to be one flesh. And that 
plays out through the Bible. We need to be courageous and outspoken to speak to that, to this confused world we live in today. So we have the best story. Science is on our side. Ultimately, history will prove that this is the right position to be, but we're right in the middle now of a changing cultural narrative and people are talking about gender dysphoria. I wonder if you've got a thought or two here on the vulnerable ones in our community and perhaps even in our own families as we're talking about this today, uh, where gender dysphoria fits in this thought that as Christians we recognise the binary, a male and a female, but our society is taking our kids in a different direction. I love it, uh, Neil, that you said a thought or two, like, hello, can we have one hour on that? But (laughs) the first thing I like to say is that it is not just Christians who are now speaking out. I mean, we are actually the minority. We are not actually the courageous ones who are willing to stand up and be cancelled and called bigots. It's actually the scientists, the researchers, and dare I say, the feminists who are now given the name the radical feminists or even the derogatory term of trans-exclusionary radical feminists or TERFs. So you see, people are waking up to it. It's almost like, where are the Christians in this debate? It's scientists, it's scientists who call themselves atheists who are speaking up and saying biology is real. We cannot say biology doesn't matter. So male and female, he created them, is in the womb. It happens. It has to be recognized. And that is where we are, our children are vulnerable because You know, I'm 75 now, and when I was growing up in the tea plantations of Sri Lanka, there was no social media. All we had was a dial radio, which we could listen to. Today's children are immersed in this cyber world, and so they are being on one side bombarded with this false information and myths that tell them and and especially young children i mean five six seven have got their smartphones they have been bombarded that true happiness and popularity comes from somehow recognizing this inner self i mean look disney movies to our children are being about be true to yourself find who you are and that, that something inner, authentic self. So that's happening on one side. On the other side, many schools are teaching very young children that you are not necessarily what you are born as, male or female, but you can be whatever you choose to be. I hear stories of like six and seven-year-old kids who are totally traumatized by being told that you can choose what you want to be, male or female. The very fact of words 
being changed because now we are we are told by the trans ideologists and the allies and you know the people who support it that we don't speak of biological sex or birth sex but we speak call it assigned sex which those of us scientists and doctors and researchers we do not do in other words implying that at a baby's birth kind of stay with me here at a baby's birth the doctor and the parents make some kind of arbitrary decision as to the sex of the baby and only the baby knows what its sex is so sometime later the child should choose what the child wants to be and that is wrong because sex is determined at the moment when the sperm and the ovum meet and from there through a complex developmental process a baby is born male or female i mean that's point or two of live births where this clear development doesn't happen but that's all part of the fact of what i say is the post genesis 3 result after sin enters the world our biology and our brains are set are not perfect we are marred images of the creator so in this marred world a point oh two we have what we call disorders of sex development but this doesn't mean that the binary pattern is i some way incorrect or erased okay sex is confirmed at birth you are either a male or a female and as you say patricia it's actually determined at conception it's observed visually well before birth and then confirmed at birth but the problem is our children are being taught that it is only affirmed or arbitrarily mm-hmm. assigned and so we've got a disconnect you're saying to that's coming largely through their social media exposure life culture and current events from a biblical perspective 2020 on vision Christian sexologist Dr Patricia Wirakun is our guest we're talking sex gender and identity today our talk back line is open on 1-800-316-316 let's talk about where the rubber hits the road and how practically these changes are happening right now in the state of Victoria it is already outlawed on issues of Christians and the way we might approach children who are developing and so far as what sort of advice even the sort of pastoral care and even prayer for someone who might be uncomfortable with their own sexual identity can actually get a Christian into hot water you can in fact be imprisoned for that it is already happening in Victoria they're already considering this too in Tasmania Patricia children are right there in the center of this controversy how do you describe what's happening in victoria and is being discussed in tasmania you know neil we have to step back and consider that a lot of people those making the laws and the research they are looking into are confused on a couple of key issues 
Because when we talk about conversion therapy, firstly, there is a conflation or bringing together of two very different issues. So let me spend just a minute here teasing this out. There's one aspect of sex, gender, and identity, which is we are all familiar with. The technical term we would use is sexual orientation. And this is who are you sexually, erotically attracted to? It is the feeling of desire, sexual desire, and the concomitant of following behaviors tied to it. It is tied up with sexuality, sexual attraction, sexual behavior. Now, the conversion therapy debate on this issue has gone on for a long time, and we can have a lot of discussion around that. And as a doctor and as a Christian, I do believe that there have been a lot of really unwise and sometimes cruel practices that have been used on gays and lesbians in terms of convert, trying to convert people back. And for most people, the feelings are hard to change or hard to move away from, but everybody has a choice of how they live out their sexual attraction, the feelings of attraction. So that's one aspect. That is the feeling, attraction. Now, gender identity is that inner emotional identity of who you are. It's fascinating because when it comes to sexual orientation, we have sufficient, that is the desire, the attraction. We have sufficient research to tell us that for some people, they have an innate feeling or attraction for the same sex or the other sex or sometimes for both. That sufficient research. When it comes to this inner feeling, sometimes the ideologists even call it this inner soul or inner essence, it cannot be identified. You have nowhere of authenticating it. It is absolutely subjective. And therefore, we are now being told that bringing those two together is if you change someone, try to stop someone from you know, being who they actually want to be, that's conversion therapy. Now, we, we've known the sexual orientation matter for a long time. But for gender identity, I just want to put it to your listeners that we need to think about this. So let's take a child. A child, let's assume it's a girl who's been, so if you want those who are technical listening here, the chromosomes are XX, that is the sex chromosomes, born a girl, so she has the girl genitalia, so she is a girl, a biological girl. Now, she feels, say let's assume she's coming into teens, and she feels that she is a boy. Now, a brain feeling versus biological reality. And we are being told that the biological reality of the body must 
be made to fit this ephemeral inner essence which nobody can measure or scientifically locate. And if we don't do that, then we are practicing conversion therapy. So I hope I've made this clear. The reality is biology. This ephemeral brain feeling is that you are the other sex. And we have to confirm that the, this, this feeling is the right thing. Otherwise, we are actually we are practicing conversion therapy. Now, I would like people to think, what is it really? The, where does our reality rest in what we can measure scientifically and visually and see or in a, in a feeling of who you are? What you're saying is brain feeling versus biological reality where being told the body must be made to fit with the feeling rather than the opposite way around. In fact, you talk about sexual liquidity and a malleable body. This is an interesting way that things are changing. And I know listeners will be able to hear the ob- objectivity in the way you're describing things here. But uh, the way people are feeling, feeling sexually li- uh, uh, liquid. Uh, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts here? This is, this is part of this, what I call the individualistic post-truth culture. Because the body is now a commodity. Yes, Christians, we say the body is a God-given good. We are not, our body is not incidental or accidental. I tell young people, your body is intentional. Read Psalm 139. You, God, meet me in my mother's womb. When I'm talking to teenagers, I say, look, mommy and daddy were not knitting. They were having the best sex ever. But God knew you at that moment. You are intentional. Your body is intentional in God's eyes. But that's the complete opposite to our culture, where the body commodity to be either kind of glorified and, you know, just made to look some social media perfection or in the transgender ideology just used as a blank slate which can basically be drawn on in any way or a malleable bit of clay that can be changed to suit our desires. But remember, whatever changes that can be made on the body, and this is really important that people understand, no one, no one can change sex. Biology is consistent. We can only be cosmetic in terms of changing. And I think it was Caitlyn Jenner or the other sportswoman, Martina Navratilova, one of them said that, you know, I try to look like a woman, but biologically, I am still a man. You can't become a woman. A man cannot become a woman by hormones and surgery. You can only look like your biology does not change. 
Very quickly, because we're coming up to news time and uh, we'll take some calls after the news. And uh, for those callers, uh, just be patient while we do get to this. But very quickly, defining a woman, defining a man, this is something that has become almost impossible for our political leaders to do. You've got simple Christian, biblically-based definitions. I wonder if you can hit us with one or two of those, sure. uh, Patricia. Very quickly, very quickly. A man is an adult male with testicular testes tissue and the potential of producing sperm. I mean, this is a basic biology. Similarly, a woman is an adult human female with ovarian ovarian tissue and the potential of producing eggs or ova. Now, as Christians, we believe that a woman is a lot more than her ovaries and her genitals, and such is a man. But it is you are not less than that biology, and that's what we need to be fearless in speaking out. Patricia, let's take a call before we move on. Jason is in Campbelltown in New South Wales. Hello, Jason. Welcome. Hello. How are you? Very well, Jason. What are your thoughts? Now, my thoughts are I took my children out of school and homeschooled my children because I didn't like what the government were doing to my children, specifically about what they're teaching them. The, The Christians have to take control of their children. They're responsible for educating their children. The government is is educating them in a way that, that is coming from the devil. But look, I've got a dog. I've got a male dog and a female dog. How do I know they're male and female? Good. good I just uh, look at them. Yep. <laughs> exactly. It's a male, and right. it's, it's easy. I, I was taught in school that I'm a boy and they're girls. It's simple. What's okay. going on? This is a, a simple is profound here, Jason. Let me bring yep. uh, Dr. Patricia Wirakun into the conversation. Yep. Christians take control, uh, taking your kids out of school and homeschooling. What are your thoughts for Jason? You know, and, and Jason, thank you for that. I mean, I just love hearing voices like yours because it kind of makes everything I'm doing at 75 years old really worth it. So thank you. Look, I mean, I'm asked this question. I'm asked this question often, should we homeschool? And, you know, I've reached a point when I say, you know, I I think for some parents it is a good idea if you can. However, for many parents it is it's a hard option to homeschool. So what I say is, look, you take control of writing the correct story on their brain before the world writes the worldly story. In other words, you start talking to your kids early. This is why we wrote the books. And Neil, you know about, the, you talked about birds and bees by the book. Yeah. That's for primary school, parents to read with primary schoolers. And there's one of the six books that says uh, learning about gender because we want parents to be the ones. Now, interestingly, I have just signed a contract to write a picture book for preschoolers. Who would have thought we need to talk to preschoolers about the importance of the body and being born male 
and female, just like Jason said. But sadly, we have to do it. So parents, please, whatever age your children are, you take the responsibility, you be proactive, you set their minds in the right directions. It doesn't matter, even if they're teenagers, you listen, you talk, and you teach them God's good word. Jason in Campbelltown in New South Wales, thank you so much for a great contribution. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You might like to have your own say with a question, a comment or even a critique. Let's touch on some really important issues around parents here because parents are feeling coerced. They're feeling as though Mm. they don't have control over their own children. They're being told their children will kill themselves if they're not affirmed in a different sexual identity. This is serious stuff, Patricia Wirakun, that parents are frightened to affirm their own children in their maleness or femaleness. What are your thoughts for parents? This is an extremely important issue. Because what we are seeing internationally is this sudden, within the last five to eight years, an almost exponential increase of children and teenagers uh, being seen in what they call gender identity clinics. Now, let me just quickly take you back to my story. In 1980, I was studying, yep, I am that ancient. I was in Hawaii working with one of the, at that time, world's best-known people on gender issues, Professor Diamond. And I was helping him run his, at that time, called Transsexual Clinic. What we saw were adults and males. Today, the clinics are overrun with Teens and preteens, we're talking children and mainly females. So parents, this is not something that is out there. It is in your schools, it is your children who are being exposed to. So the the so-called conversion therapy, which obviously you already know I don't like the term, conversion therapy legislation of Victoria and maybe Tasmania, would say that young children must be affirmed in their chosen gender or and the the information that underpins this is that if they don't then they might kill themselves now don't get me wrong every suicidal child is a child we must care for and love and guide and look after very, very carefully. Now, that's important. However, much of the research or all of the research that this high suicidality rates in transgender children is false. It is poor research. And this is underpinned by, like, I can give you names, like Professor Michael Biggs from Oxford Uni, and all the work they've done of analyzing, teasing out the data, And what they say is there's so many confounding variables. For instance, many children who say that they are confused with gender 
will be kids who are have got other what we call comorbidities or in other words things like on the autistic spectrum or depression or psychiatric anxiety so these kids are likely to be sucked into this transgender ideology so to parents your kids you know them you guide them don't believe the world lie that if you don't just let them do whatever they you are the parent i say you be the parent now if if the states pass the laws will you be persecuted you may be but maybe that is part of being a parent and there may be people who are listening who'd like to call and express their opinions please do so because i think it's too important to be just brushed away now because the first thing that you will be told to do is let's go back to this little girl you have to let the little girl live as a boy we call that social affirmation so you affirm that this child is actually now biological girl is a boy cut the hair let the uh, school know that the name is being changed and even use the boys bathrooms and if they go on a camp be in the boys locker room and in the boys uh, dormitory that's affirmation and the mind boggles at what that could all mean but that's what it is now let me give you some really good researched information All the research tells us please stay with me here because it gets a bit complex that if a young child is allowed to grow up in their biological sex and deal with the confusion with a lot of love and a lot of support rather than instant affirmation over 85% will accept their biology at puberty over 85% but if they are socially affirmed and especially started on a drug called puberty blocking drugs which is another story then 100 or 99 point something percent will persist into puberty and go on the path of medicalization and surgery so you know your children you love them you help them see the good body that god has given them and medicalization is a lifelong pursuit we're taking calls 1-800-316-316 let's take a couple more calls jonathan is in perth wa hi jonathan yeah hello neil jonathan what are your thoughts yes you know i i always like to carry people back to the plan of satan because uh, when in genesis 3:15 go when Matthew God promised a Messiah and now you go to Genesis chapter 6 the bible says the sons of God came down to have connection with men who are the sons of God the fallen angels because they wanted to cancel the plan of God for Christ to be born so when they did this God destroyed the human race and I let Noah and his family 
And you know, Satan progressing. So what I'm saying this morning is that Satan wants to use this transgender, uh, lesbian, homosexual, all me according, because he wants to fight Christianity. Because when he brings this thing in, then those people begin to kill the plan of God. Jonathan, you're making some very important points here and uh, lots of listeners will catch that you're saying as it was in the days of Noah. There were all sorts of things that were happening on the face of the earth and uh, bringing into this the spiritual understanding of Satan endeavouring to confound the plan of God. Patricia, your thoughts for Jonathan? Yeah, um, Jonathan, I... I totally empathize with you. I often use the judges where all men, you know, there was no God and everyone lived according to whatever they chose to do. But the, the reality is, and I want to say this to every listener, we need to remember that every human being is created in the image of God. We all, whether it is me or somebody with struggling with transgender or struggling with anything else, pornography or lust, or I'm talking sexual things because that's where I learn and study and speak. We are all created in the image of God. We are all marred human beings. We all have desires that are not in keeping with God's good plan for life. Therefore, we need to, while recognizing that this is a, we have a short time, come Lord Jesus, and this is a confused world. We need to show true love and compassion to people who are struggling with gender confusion. And there lies the church. Our churches need to be the place where confused people can come and see the love of God and be drawn in to follow Jesus. You see, we are not going to shame people into the kingdom. We are going to need to love people into the kingdom. I often tell churches when I speak to them, we need to be hospitals for sinners not five-star resorts for the righteous. And the singers, whoever they are, whether they be transgender or people struggling with sexual orientation, lesbian, gay, or even those who have transitioned and now are regretting it, we call it the transitioners, they need to come and find a home and a true hope that only God can offer through Jesus Christ. Jonathan, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. Let's take another listener call. Luciana is in Kings Park in Melbourne. Hello, Luciana. Welcome. Good morning. How are you? Very well. What are your thoughts? Well, the thing is, I'm a grandparent of uh, two teenagers, and... um, when I pick them up from school, they do share what is going on in classroom, what they're teaching them, and the topic uh, about transgender has come up. And I explained it to them that as Christians, the Bible says to train uh, the children the way they should be going. And so when they grow up, they will not depart from it. And also that um, 
we need to love everyone because even that we live in a society, we, we don't do what society dictates. So in, in that way, I always bring it to what the Bible says. I will say, yes, that's their opinion. And we need to respect the law, especially what they teach in school. But that doesn't mean that you have to take it in because that's what the Bible says. So Luciana, in way, yes. thank you so much. That is a really great contribution. And I'm interested in uh, Patricia's response to you because uh, when oh. we have a response and we say what the Bible says, uh, sometimes our oh, children and teenagers are going to be saying, well, uh, I think the people at school are smarter than you are. Uh, what are your thoughts here, Patricia, for Luciana? Yeah. Yeah, Luciana, thank you for that. And I mean, congratulations for what you're doing as a grandparent. Grandparents are hugely important in today's culture in bringing up the young people. Let me just give you one point on this. And that's where I come from, is that Yes, we point people to the Bible, and yes, it is a source of life, but we also need to recognize that science is now supporting us, so we are on the right side of history, because we constantly told, oh, you're on the wrong side of history. No, the science supports what we've always known, created male and female, and the good pattern for male-female coming together in one flesh, sexual uh, intimacy. So while we're talking, that says the word of God, we can also say, and hey, you know what? Science supports this. And Luciana, may I please just recommend to you that we have a book out there called Teen Sex by the book. And that is B-Y, the book, not B-U-Y. But you know, you can buy it. And it's available at Kurong and all the Christian bookstores. And I would suggest that that one has a whole chapter on gender and the science behind it. it would be a great read for your teenage grandchildren. Teen Sex by the Book. And I'll mention some more titles just ahead. Luciana, thank you so much for your call. And time's running out. Just a few minutes remaining for our conversation, Patricia. Let me ask you, though, uh, puberty, this is an important time. And as parents, we're interested in when our kids are going through puberty. As you're saying, grandparents have an incredibly important role at this time as well. Things are changing in the brain in our children when they're going through puberty. I wonder if you've got some insights here, because if our children are locked in in a coercive and I would even say deceptive way uh, to changing their gender identity and even being introduced to things like puberty blockers that you mentioned, how serious is that if our children get locked into that and we've lost control of the direction for our children? Thoughts here, Patricia? Yeah, I'll be quick here because I'm also just looked at the clock. I mean, there's two aspects here we need to be aware of. The first thing is what is happening in our culture. There's a, a huge increase of teenagers, especially girls, who had no history of any, you know, in their growing up, they were very girly girls, and suddenly they enter their teens, and they binge watch social media, binge enrollment, Reddit, Tumblr, whereas all these influencers who talk about the wonderful experience of being transgender and the communities of transgender, and a lot of these kids are also emotionally 
you know, very vulnerable and they get sucked in. And this this particular cohort of young women, girls, have been given the name of uh, rapid onset gender dysphoria. We are seeing a lot of that, social media-driven, peer-supported, what's called a social contagion. Now, these children get fast-tracked into the medicalization route. And Neil, you mentioned the drug called puberty blockers. Now, very briefly, puberty is an essential part of growing up. We need it. Our brain especially has to have that puberty hormonal influence to develop both emotionally and cognitively, especially cognitive, the thinking brain needs that puberty to develop and of course the body develop the bones develop during puberty the muscles develop when you give a so-called puberty blocker that's such a wrong word you cannot block puberty and suddenly just remove it and expect puberty to go on as if you know you stop the ray stop a music video and then switch it back on. It doesn't happen like that. It has long-term effects on bone, on muscle, and particularly on the brain. So it's a very dangerous path for children to be put onto. And of course, further, you know, it also, oh, it also blocks fertility because we need the sex hormones for the ovaries and the testes to develop and the sexual response. There's a lot of research around that. Dangerous part. So again, please talk to your children. Talk early. Take that proactive step to be the one they come to when they hear something or they are confused. Well, you can't redo puberty if you upset it with puberty Mm -hmm. blockers. Uh, That's it. You've done damage and that will last a lifetime. Uh, we have run out of time. Let me come to some of those books that we were talking about. Uh, let me run through a list, and you can let me know if I miss any here, Patricia. Uh, some of your books, Talking Sex by the Book, The Best Sex for Life, Eros, Intimacy, and the Mind of God, Growing Up by the Book, Teen Sex by the Book, which is the one you mentioned just a few moments ago. And Birds and Bees by the Book, a six-part series for seven- to ten-year-old children. You've got some new ones coming out uh, around now and later on this year too. But for parents who are interested right now in what they might need for their uh, pre-adolescent teenager, uh, Teen Sex by the Book, is that the one you're recommending for parents to get a hold of? Teen Sex by the Book is the most research-based. So I would say it's a good place for parents to start. Growing up by the book uh, deals a lot with adolescence. So if you've got a pre-puberty, that's a good book to talk about puberty. And for all who have kids in primary school, anything between 6 to 10, 11 years, I would say please start off on the birds and bees by the book. And talking sex by the book is for parents, a kind of a how-to. Because while I'm talking to you, I'm aware that many of you are going like, I know I have to do this, but I'm too embarrassed or I don't know what to do. Talking Sex by the Book is just the book for you.
And, of course, there's lots of great uh, video podcast content uh, when you visit Patricia's website, patriciawirakoon.com. Wirakoon spelled W-E-E-R-A-K-O-O-N, patriciawirakoon.com. And uh, you have got a couple of new books coming out. Uh, you mentioned that there's one that you've been asked to write uh, for even very, very young children. Uh, I know there's always a reluctance to do that because in some sense you start to sexualize children. Uh, there's a certain sense, though, in which it's necessary for parents to be informed about this sort of thing. Uh, any thoughts here on your new book that you've got coming out sometime soon, Patricia? Yeah, we haven't got a name for it, hopefully out by November. We At the moment, the working title is Baby Book. So <laughs> the Baby Book, so we call it, is for preschoolers, and it's going to be a picture book, basically talking about how good your body is as boy or girl and how God made it and how your parents love you the way you are. And if you're a boy, it doesn't matter if you like to dance and you like to play with dolls, you still are a boy. And if you're a girl and you like to play soccer and play cars, it doesn't change the fact that you are a girl. So be who you are, play what you want, wear what you want, but God made you girl or boy. That's the message of the baby book. And, yeah, so, you know, at my old age of 75, as long as God gives me the energy, I shall continue to serve him any way he wishes as a sexologist. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> Patricia Weiracoon, patriciawiracoon.com. Patricia, thanks so much for joining us today on 2020. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.